Finance. You are listening to a fresh episode of season 5, The Alam Saga. I'm your co-host Drishti and I am your co-host Jay. Today, we have with us Padmini Rathor, an alumna of MICA from the batch of 2002. She is currently the CEO of DSK Legal, one of the leading full-service law firms in India. She has also very recently been awarded the most promising women leaders 2021 by the Economic Times. Welcome ma'am to the show. It's a it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you Jay, thank you Drishti. It's it's lovely to be here. So ma'am to begin with, 20 years ago you graduated from MICA and today you are the CEO of India's top legal firm. Can you please tell us about your inhibitions and aspirations as a fresh graduate back then? And you know how did it shift over the years? Wow, that's a long time ago. Um I remember when I had just passed out of MICA, I think aspirations didn't go too far. I was very keen on joining a media agency, become a media planner, a buyer, and that's exactly what I did. And um Now when I think back I think I just wanted to be a a group head I didn't want to go beyond it or I never thought beyond it So yeah that's as far as aspirations go um inhibitions oh I had plenty of those um I found it difficult to speak up in meetings uh I used to find it uh, I was very shy I used to find it very difficult to you know put my point of view across uh while working while in meetings um and i also found it difficult to ask for help i i don't know why but i i felt that i would be judged for asking for help so yeah those initial days there were too many inhibitions if you ask me and these are the things that we all go through i think especially in the beginning yeah yeah and uh, sorry you asked me about the shift as well so today when i um I think a lot has changed for me. I think the first thing uh, uh the first difference that I can see in myself now is that you know I speak my mind. Um I I don't worry so much about being right or wrong. I speak my mind. Um I'm the first one to uh you know um uh, I'm the first one to accept if I don't know anything and I'm not ashamed to ask for help. uh because it's not possible for everyone to know everything at all times so it's it's always a good idea to ask for help and and i've also realized that you know life seldom moves in a linear fashion there this this you know you should always be open to opportunities because opportunities can come from any direction so yeah i th- i think today um, a lot has shifted within me uh, after so many years of working interesting ma'am Mom so moving on from there like millennials and gen z uh, have a reputation of being chronic job hoppers as we are constantly seeking for something new and mom the different that we think we may fit into and this especially happens in the beginning years of their career and like talking about us we are graduating next year so so mom from your experience can you tell us if it benefits or detriments careers you know uh, if one were to go by research done by various uh, Uh, publications and and other uh, agencies uh, i think it's a fallacy to think that millennials or gen z they jump a lot in fact uh, there was one figure being thrown about that you know only one in yeah. four will actually change their job uh, after their first year or within their first year which means that the other three would stick around 
Uh, but having said that, um, I think it depends on, you know, uh, why are you jumping? Uh, many people are quite unhappy where they are. And, um, and I think the psychological uh, impact of sticking around in a place which doesn't make you happy, which doesn't give you what you're looking for, I think is far worse than the red mark on the CV, which is typically what everyone is worried about. So, uh, so I'm not always very quick to judge if someone's changed jobs frequently. Uh, I do believe that, you know, uh, if you're changing for the right reasons, if you want to, uh, it also shows, if you're changing for the right reasons, it shows a lot of courage on your part. Uh, if you're in a job that you're unhappy about, if you've tried everything internally, you know, within your existing organization, maybe a role change, maybe conversations with your superiors, uh, new projects, and nothing seems to be working. I don't think that you should, you know, bind yourself to uh, the place. And I, uh, because, you know, uh, like I said, the psychological impact of being unhappy in a job is, is, is much worse uh, than just uh, a mark on your CV. I have in my career hired a lot of people who've, who've changed uh, jobs and, and have become much richer for the experience uh, because of the job shift. So, uh, so it just depends you know, on individuals, on the situation uh, that people are in. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm so talking more about CV and interview. One of the most common questions during interviews is where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? And uh, it is like, even though we do not have a very clear picture, we do mention a particular industry that we're keen on working with. I'm so since your career has seen a consistent transformation, you know, from media to healthcare, and now several years with the legal services industry. So where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? And does it align with that, with what you had in mind? I, I, I never thought I'd be uh, working with a law firm for sure, you know, <laughs> having studied in and, and I'm not a lawyer. So, um, no, you know, so the initial years of my career, the, 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 the shift in the sectors wasn't so stark because I stayed within the media, uh, you know, my, the, my profile remained the same, you know, it was either media buying, planning, media audits, media ROI. I think the real shift happened when I moved to a law firm and uh, this was just very accidental. I had never planned on it, but um, it was, it came at a point where I thought I couldn't ever work again. And so I just grabbed the opportunity uh, with both hands and, you know, made the best of what I got. So, um, yeah, so this, this was the big shift in my career. Right. So, ma'am, for many MBA aspirants out there, like when we're talking about the shift, we are always very confused about how to pivot from one industry to another. So, was there any one aspect or one phase in your life or one incident or any person that helped you make that shift? I can't think of a person, but um, I had to leave my job when I had my son uh, because there was no one to help me out with his, uh, with his uh, I mean, I had no one, you know, no family in the city who could help me out, you know, and um, and at one point of time, I had almost given up on working because I couldn't see any way out of the situation. And I just happened to meet the managing partner of uh, the law firm that I finally joined. And uh, he said that, you know, he had a crash uh, uh, in the office and uh, 
and I could get my son along uh, if I joined them. So honestly, if you ask me, I joined because of the crash. Uh, I, I just knew that I wanted to work and I knew no one else was offering this facility at that point of time. And, uh, and I just jumped. And I think what helped me in jumping at that point of time, I was nervous. I knew nothing about the legal sector, was this confidence in the fact that um, you know, the basics that we had studied on campus, they remain the same. So your sector can change, the industry can change, but the way an organization is run, by and large, uh, your, your basics that you study, whether it's organizational dynamics, whether you're studying about systems and processes, there's always a common thread running through. So one was I took a leap of faith thinking that, you know, I think I'll be able to use what I studied on campus. And the other was um, I knew that my learnability quotient was quite high. I could enter a new sector and I could, you know, give myself three to four months and figure out what the business was all about. I think it just equipped with these two things and maybe these two beliefs, uh, I just made the shift. That's so inspiring, ma'am. And ma'am, talking about your most recent achievements, uh, firstly, congratulations on being the most promising women leader. Uh, but we are sure there are a lot of sacrifices, like you just mentioned a few of them, and difficult situations which may have come your way. So uh, can you tell us if there have been such barriers even after you started with legal or any difficult phase that you recall and probably how did you overcome it? I think... Uh... There's always a niggling guilt that you're left with, you know, when you're leaving your son, your child, you know, and, and you're spending long hours in office. I think that never usually really goes away. Um, so uh, if I were to talk about sacrifices, maybe it was, you know, the time that I couldn't spend with my family on a number of occasions. I think that's the only sacrifice that I can think of. Um, Problems, I, I wouldn't call them problems, but there was a period of adjustment that I had to go through. I had entered a law firm where everybody was a lawyer, you know, and um, and I had to go into a room full of law firm partners, senior partners, and, uh, and you know, talk about my ideas about how an organization needs to be run. So uh, there was a lot of resistance. You know, that what would a non-lawyer teach lawyers about their business? So there was a lot of resistance there. There was a lot of skepticism that I was met with. And I had to work very hard to really prove myself. So uh, I wouldn't call it a problem, but it was definitely very challenging for me. Ma'am, your journey has been really very inspiring. <laughs> so, uh, so is there any advice that you would like to give the young entrepreneurs out there, you know, especially women who are trying to enter the so-called male-dominated industry? I think one thing that I would like to uh, put out there is, you know, from the time that I started working to now, I see a huge change. I see a lot more women in the corporate sector and, and, and that's a very encouraging trend. Having said that, I, um, there are, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done uh, for it to become an absolute equal uh, level playing field for everyone. Um, 
but a few things i think where uh, women go a little wrong sometimes um, could be that you know uh, we may have great ideas but sometimes the room gets very intimidating where there are, when there aren't too many women around so we don't speak up and i think that's the biggest disservice that we're doing to ourselves to our organization um, and the role that we're supposed to play out there so uh, my advice would be that you know don't clam up speak up and um, because your ideas otherwise no one's going to hear your ideas nobody's going to know how wonderful you are so so do speak up the other trap sometimes we tend to fall into is that you know we want to be liked by our peers i think that's not something that we should go for i think it should be we should be aiming for respect so if you're doing your job well if you're working hard um people will respect you men women nothing matters a business is a business everyone wants competent people around them so so don't compromise on quality or on your work just because you want to be liked by by your peers aim for respect you know do what you need to do and stay true to your job so um that's the other thing that i think uh, women need to do and i think uh, last but not the least uh support other women i think that that is something that uh, we should be doing yeah ma'am true ma'am so on that note uh, any advice you would like like to give to the 25 year old padmini rathor oh my god i i could feel this <laughs> i could feel this there <laughs> so <laughs> yeah um i think uh, i think the most important lesson that i've learned is um, and and something that i i wish i knew when i was 25 is that you know don't settle for less be it your personal or your professional life you know just just aim for the best don't settle for less um when one door closes the other one definitely opens definitely opens you know and and it's not just with me i've seen it with everyone around me that um uh don't give up easily um and i think the other thing which uh, is that you should be the hardest working person in the room you know when you you're just starting to work in a new place in a new organization don't look for shortcuts you know i i've heard a lot of people tell me oh we work smart and not hard and and there's nothing wrong with it but my question is that when you just started working how did you figure out how to work smart so there are no shortcuts you have to work hard and then maybe over time you figure out those shortcuts or ways of doing things uh, in a smarter manner which saves you a lot of time but the initial years you should be like a sponge you know where you're absorbing you're learning you're working hard and you're proving yourself so um, so yeah I, these are the two pieces of advice that i would give myself so ma'am like you're talking about a few uh, skills on that note uh, what are some of the most underrated like such other skills like you spoke about working smart and working hard so any such uh, skills that you feel are of utmost importance today which can be picked up on the go and they are not taught to us in a closed classroom i think uh, what the pandemic taught us that uh, or what i'm seeing around uh, when i look at the teams within the office and and outside 
is that you know emotional quotient is a word that is being thrown about a lot these days but i think we don't really understand or appreciate it enough uh people with a very high emotional resilience have been the ones who've been able to come out you know uh much better during this pandemic and uh the good part is uh emotional resilience can be built uh it can be, you can work upon it there's so many books on it papers on it and and it's extremely important to have the skill in fact now uh it's being said that up to a certain level iq only takes you till here but you know if you want to go above that you need to have a very strong eq so uh i think all of us should be uh making sure that we are building this particular skill within us and i think the other skill which is which was underrated till now or maybe wasn't required as much was flexibility you know your adaptability how you adapt to a changing situation how flexible you are you know uh that that's very important because all of a sudden from going to offices we had to move uh, working online and uh jay you mentioned you know a lot of people are finding it difficult to speak up in in the, in the online world and uh we need to learn fast how to overcome some of these it's it's extremely important because this is here to stay for some time right and that's a very different take on it the eq part of it so ma'am we are now going to take you back to your mica days and uh, we have experienced mica for a very brief period due to the pandemic so we would love to know from you what mica was like back then and especially what role did it play in shaping your life ma'am we are very excited to uh, you know listen to this answer yeah um <laughs> <laughs> sorry that you know you you've not been able to spend as much time on campus as you would have liked to because of the pandemic well uh mica was very different from what i see now for sure or we didn't have so many hostels and we didn't the infrastructure wasn't as uh, um as happening as it is now but i think we were very happy we uh mica was all about spending evenings sitting uh, in chota um all the plays that were put up uh, all the all the parties that would happen over the weekend the music that would just come out of all the hostels i don't know how we slept with so yeah, much of music around <laughs> <laughs> and um, all the all the matches all the matches so everything that i'm talking about is over and above what we were studying but this was what was life was like on campus um yeah it was wonderful it was just two years of absolute fun um and i think this was my first time away from home so i think it taught me a number of life lessons um uh independence was one uh you know i i learned how to take care of myself better mam so uh, if we talk about like i'm sure you must be connected with mica so what is in your opinion the truly unique things about mica like what you see and i think mica is a business school with a soul uh it's it's uh it's not just a school it's 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 a philosophy it's a way of life you know um and i don't know how it's done but the minute you're on campus and you're there over and above what you're studying you know with, which i think all schools do the courses that you do you know uh, marketing finance 
all of that is covered everywhere. But Mikeans also learn, you know, how to be more creative, how to be innovative. Um, there is just this X factor which gets added on to you the minute you're on campus. And that is why I say that, you know, it's, it's, it's just a way of life. It's a philosophy. It's a way of being. Uh, and and it, it's something that, you know, which cannot even be described in words. I think you just have to be on campus. You have to experience it to know it well. Uh, Ma'am, so can you share your most memorable story or incident from Mica days? Like it could be from your hostel uh, or committee, anything. Um, there's so many. Uh... I'm just one you have to pick then. then. So once uh, that movie Dil Chata Hai was released uh, in the halls and uh, we all wanted to go and watch it. And I don't know why, maybe we couldn't afford it or because of a lack of availability. For some reason, the entire batch hired a truck. So we all plonked ourselves into a truck, like it was a proper truck, which I'm sure must be ferrying material to construction sites, you know, during the day. So in the evening, the entire batch got onto a truck and uh, I, I don't even remember which hall we went to. We went, we saw the movie, we came back. And we had so much fun and it was extremely exciting. So it's one of the memories. I mean, I've never had as much fun ever again. I don't think I've ever climbed a rock again. So, yeah, there, there was just so many of those uh, out there. Ma'am, you know, we just need a moment to sink all of this in. <laughs> so, uh, ma'am, on a closing note, um, can you describe Maika in one word? I think for me, um, it's home. That's wonderful, ma'am. So, oh, ma'am, superb. This was a wrap. Thank you for joining us today, taking out time from your busy, busy schedule. And it was a sheer pleasure hosting you on my cast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Drishti. Thank you, Jay. I, I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much.